You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Fall is just around the corner, and by the end of summer, most of us have had it up to our last clip with all the inane chit chat, dogs with personal space issues, and the beta, all oh, the goddamn beta, that goes with the mostly idle day at the sport cliff or the bouldering spot. And the cool temps have us feeling the dormant urge to dart and flit among the cracks and dihedrals like rhapsodic cliff swallows high above the earth. And for all that crack darting, you're going to need protection. You know, cams, nuts, and the like. Of course, Black Diamond has you covered with the raddest gear around. Ultralight cams, wee steel stoppers, and hot damn, they even still make your granddad's favorite gear, the Hex. So whether you choose to dart, flit, or climb your biggest dream routes, stick with Black Diamond to get you to the top. Check out all their rock protection at blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local shop. Are you stuck in the partner zone where that person you climb with is blithely unaware of your electric longing that's telegraphing through that stiff gym rope? Does she think of you as just another dude she schools in the bouldering cave? Does he tell his friends you're just like one of the guys? Well, break out of the partner zone and let that person know that your rock is in a hard place with a special gift from PeterWGilroy.com. Because if you thought making sure her chalk bag was always full or buying him a set of cams for his half birthday would bring out the passion, you're wrong. Do it the right way and go to PeterWGilroy.com for rock-inspired jewelry and accessories that say, to me, you're more than just a solid belay, baby. And of course, remember to enter Enormo at checkout for a discount. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing here? We're doing the uh, Enormo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, the big place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. We really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a frayed end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Good weather, bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, with support from Maxim Ropes. And the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enorma cast. This is your host, Chris Kalouse. It is about 11 o'clock, September 15th, 2018, and this is episode 159 of the Enormacast, a conversation with professional climber Sam Elias. But one thing real quick before we get to that is I do want to remind you guys or tell you about the new podcast that I have, the Runout Podcast I'm doing with Andrew Bishrat over at runoutpodcast.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, the others around the internet. We've uh, got five episodes out over there. We're sort of in beta still getting it figured out, but we'd love to have you listening, giving us some feedback, giving us some ideas of what we're doing over there. So please go over and check it out. 
if you have the time. It's a little shorter than the Normacast, kind of a current events editorial thing. A little bit different than what we do here at the Normacast. So a nice addition if you don't have enough climbing podcasting in your life. Check it out. Okay, so let's get to this interview with Sam Elias. I've known Sam for quite a few years. He's climbed a lot out at Rifle. I think that's where I probably got to know him along with some mutual friends that we have. This one was recorded out in Rifle in his camper in the night. So you can hear the river in the background and uh, the occasional person driving by desperately looking for camping, as you will in the summertime out there. Yeah, we uh, unpack a lot in this one about Sam's motivations, his psyche, um, how he stays fit, how he stays psyched. Uh, Sam's a pretty diverse climber. We note in the end that he's not an alpinist, but he has climbed Mount Everest, oddly, and mostly known for sport climbing, but he's also a mixed ice climber, competition mixed climber, and a really rad skier too. So quite the athlete and an interesting background with a father who immigrated from Syria and a lot of roots in that part of the world, which we talk about a fair bit. And we open kind of as we do in the Normacast where we're talking about something not completely explained. And in this case, we're actually talking about BJ Tilden from Up and Lander and uh, our admiration for that guy, even though I don't mention him by name. But if you're out there waiting for your BJ Tilden in- interview on the Enormicast, I think you can keep on waiting because uh, the chances of that guy sitting down and talking about himself for an hour, pretty unlikely. But you know what? I tend to ask him every year, so I'll keep asking. But anyway, enough about BJ Tilden. Let's talk about Sam Elias. Attention slipper people. The Sportiva Cobras are back and they're better than ever. Um, dude, I think that's a rattlesnake. And now that's just a whip. Sweep the leg. No mercy. Okay, now you got it. But the really good news is that the Cobra Eco is made from 85% recycled materials with low-impact adhesives and tanning process. What's more, not a single gluten is harmed in Sportiva's revolutionary gluten-friendly manufacturing process. Unless, of course, you count the break time cannolis. So flaky. But seriously, the Cobra remains a legend for its fit and all-around performance from boulders to sport climbs and even thin cracks. And they're back and better than ever. So check out the renewed Cobra Eco at Sportiva.com or your favorite local shop. And remember the glutens. Run free and climb hard, little glutens. Yeah, he's a character, right? Like... You know, like you wrote him into into the lander scene as a character. Right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But, you know, he just climbs so hard. He climbs like, really hard. And in a really, really hard style, too. Yeah. I, I like, I appreciate that a lot. Have actually. you climbed up there in lander much? Not much at all. No. Just no. a few days. Right. The last time was for a Scarpa photo shoot two years after two years ago after the fest and it was with like Inga and Allie Rainey and mm-hmm. um, we got a few days of climbing and that was kind of the first time I ever got to like actually go climbing mm-hmm. and it was glorious actually I have a I have like I mean I, I have all these these like inspiration boards and I have one from that photo shoot of me on um Cowboy King oh right on just uh what are these things? 
they're just like inspiration boards places i've been or things i've done that have been really important to me or people you know like um just friends family places animals trips that you know i see and they keep me psyched from lebanon to greece with jt the red river gorge lebanon with my family podium era um necessary evil highlight canyon some quotes you know it's just a i'm all about saturation you know saturating trying to saturate myself with the things that that i want to be or become Mm -hmm. so the more often i can see it like like i read every day and i use the hayden bookmark and i just that's my friend landon he's the guy who died of cancer he's a year older than me and we grew up together it's just like i just try to have it around so i can see it as much as i can and hopefully my subconscious is always absorbing that even though i'm not like actively reading every quote every time mm-hmm. like and that's helping me shift into whatever directions that what where do you think that philosophy came from is it something you learned or was it is it something uh, organic no for sure a lot of psychology sports psychology um a lot of thinkers that i have been following for some years mm-hmm. um and their workings with their subconscious. I mean, I've been working with Chris Heilman, Dr. Chris Christina Heilman, since we did that BD boot camp thing, and she's a sports psychologist. And I do all sorts of little little activities, mm-hmm. and this is just one of them. Like whether it's writing in a journal, or I do this dry erase work, where you like write in a dry erase board, or on a I write on the windshield of my truck, or on a on the window or the mirror of my bathroom. Because it activates a different part of your brain than just thinking, oh, I want to do this or I want to be this way. If you write, I am, it activates a different part of your brain and it ingrains it a little bit differently. So I just, I just am always doing these like little things to saturate myself. Right. Whether it's that practice or this practice or the books I read or I just feel like the more you're surrounding yourself with mm-hmm. the content that you feel is like important then uh, maybe the more likely you are to turn into that or do the things you want to do. Well, let me ask you this. So obviously when you were in that boot camp, and to remind folks, it was, uh, um, what, a couple years ago now? Uh, It was the summer of, I think it was the summer of 2015. Yeah. So June, July, and August mm. of 2015. Yeah, and it it was a Black Diamond thing, right? Yeah, we worked, Joe and Kinder, Dan Mursky, and I worked with Black Diamond and Justin Chong and Chris Peters to kind of train together and try to tell us the story around just sure. a, you know, a consistent multi-cycle training program. Yeah, so that was obviously climbing focused because, I mean, that's what it was for. Uh, media-wise as well as as personally. But, you know, looking at at the stuff that you're just pointing out around in here and the way you talked about it, it sounds like, you know, you've expanded some of those things into other goals maybe in terms of transforming yourself. I mean, other than like, oh, I want to be a better climber, what are some of your other thoughts around that in terms of this saturation or this goal or, or this becoming in your sense? Well, it's very much connected to my foundation as a climber. I started climbing because I just wanted to slow my life down and wanted to have uh, some more space and some more time. It was never really about 
climbing per se it was more about the lifestyle and the community and um an opportunity to discover myself through something my life as a climber has changed pretty radically from that original beginning and and even in that boot camp you know i have done considerable amount of training before that so for me the the value in that boot camp was to get to train with other people dan and joe but also i wanted it to be a very holistic program Mm -hmm. that involved not just the physical element in terms of the the muscles and the body i wanted there to be a nutritional component i wanted there to be a recovery component body work I wanted there to be a, a psychology component. And that was those were the things that I was most interested in. I wasn't for me and and that was actually my whole that whole thing was my idea. Mm-hmm. Putting it together and doing it wasn't about just going in the gym and, and climbing and being physical and, mm-hmm. and training hard together. I was more interested in these sort of like peripheral components of it. And I've always tried to keep my climbing about about a way by which to improve my life mm-hmm. and to be happier and and healthy. I mean, I s- started climbing when I was like 22 and I wasn't that good and I never had any ambition. I never had any thought of being sponsored or anything. I just liked climbing. It made me feel good. I, I liked the people who were doing it. I liked the the community and the lifestyle and it made me happy. And it helped me find myself in a time where I basically felt like my life had just been governed by a lot of things that weren't me, be it my parents, uh, professors, ski racing coaches, friends, what have you. And then when I graduated from college, I really was like, I'm taking a hold of my life now. I don't know how or where or why, when, and I'm going to try to figure out what I want. And that just happened to be getting a job at Miguel's Pizza in the Red River Gorge, and it happened to be through climbing. So I was going to when you said earlier, like, you got into climbing to slow your life down. Um, and I, my question was, uh, I wrote down, was from what? Um, but you were a competition ski racer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, where did you grow up? I mean, where was this based out of? I, went, I grew up in southeastern Michigan okay. until I was 16. When I was 16, I moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, to go to a ski racing like academy a prep school so serious pretty serious yeah and i ski raced two years uh latter two years of high school then i got recruited i went to college on a ski racing scholarship in idaho small liberal arts school division three ski racing and then yeah when i graduated ski racing was done and um it had been such a massive part of my identity and of my fun and of my health and of my well-being um i i knew i had to replace that really quickly but i had no idea with what and i just did the standard things after school you know a little road trip and then ended up back at my folks place in detroit and working odds and ends job started going to the climbing gym more and more and then it just kind of snowballed and revealed itself from there uh-huh trips to the red river gorge okay. once a month at once every two weeks and every weekend and then um, I had a friend from Michigan get a job at Miguel's. And then, yeah, I mean, I just was a pretty easy. It was his idea, actually, for me to come down there and work and to live and to start climbing more and to just kind of have uh, more freedom and time and space to to just 
discover myself and discover life uh, apart from all these other things that had had basically kind of um, directed me until right. I graduated from college. So I asked, this is a pretty standard the Norman Cass question, but as you decided to go that direction um, and, I, you know, it sounds like maybe broke at least some sort of, you know, parental bonds in terms of them running your life, what was their attitude towards it? Well, yeah, I mean, um, there was there was a lot of sacrifice, Um my dad immigrated from Syria mm-hmm. with with not much, you know. Right. And he made he made he's made a grand life for himself and and for our family, and I'm sure he didn't envision that, especially after college, that I would, um, you know, move to the middle of the woods of Kentucky <laughs> and to to make pizza and to work yeah. at a climbing shop. That makes you know? it seem kind of strange, <laughs> and it was painful for them. And, uh, um, the, the, uh, the first generation Syrian kid and he's the eldest, yeah, he's the eldest son <laughs> in his family and right. I, I'm the eldest son. Right. Um, so there the first few years, uh, it was hard. It was really hard. And, um, I just, you know, I just, I just really felt deeply that I was supposed to do this thing. I felt really instantly connected to the community and, and just to the pursuit, to the being outside and to, to like the soulful lifestyle. Right. And, um, and I for sure immediately started feeling myself more like feeling who I was starting to decide for myself, like, how do I want my life to go? Or where do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be? How do I want to feel inside? And then starting to feel like the answers, like me answering myself. Mm-hmm. Whereas I never felt I had the time or the space to do that until that point. Well, I mean, it's like, if you're on that, if you're on that track where you're, you know, you're at a ski academy and then you go to school on a scholarship, like, I, I mean, I, I didn't experience that, but kids and friends around me did and it just feels like it's a whirlwind and then all of a sudden that you know break it's pulled yeah and and, you know because a lot of those pursuits you know there's this like i it's kind of there's this idea of you know whatever happens to be the olympics or you know and there's a point at which that door closes yeah no exactly for anybody where it closes you know in a final way of like no you not even like on a miracle you know Disney movie, you know, is plot, it, is or is it going to happen? Gonna happen? For you, yeah. so, and I felt that. Right, right. And, and so, so must, yeah, I'm just trying to like think about how it would have been just like, well, what was that? And now what's next? Because the two, you know, either I just go be a ski bum or find something brand yeah. new, you know? And I, and I'm, there was like a, quite a bit of pressure from my pop to try to be a professional, go to medical school, mm-hmm. go to law school, mm-hmm. go to something. I, I tried, you know, I took the, I was pre-med and I got a biology major and a chemistry minor, um, but I also got an art major. I took the MCAT I, to maybe go to law school. I, I just, I, I, I wanted, I wanted to make him happy and right. to be successful in his eyes, but I was simultaneously feeling this pull within sure. myself. Sure. And, um, yeah, the first few years were hard and, and then f- for whatever reason, you know, I, I had success in this mm-hmm. thing and, and they've seen that and, and, are, and now are, it's sort of come full circle and they, they really, I think, love my 
me and my lifestyle and that I'm happy and right. that I am successful. And, um, but I, there, that was never any guarantee. I right. About well, it. you know, I've thought about this a lot and discussed it a lot in terms of this, this idea of sort of dropping out of that race to do the professional thing, to, to be successful in, in, parents eyes or society's eyes whatever it happens to be because you know the climbing is full of us because i'm sort of in the same boat you know right F- because climbing is full of middle class well relatively you know comfortable kids who find climbing you know um but the one thing i always think about is the fact that okay so you're 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 at miguel's you're living in the red you're like dirt bagging or whatever it happens to be how whatever level it was the one thing that is actually nice though about it is that you though you may not be quote unquote contributing or get a job kit or whatever it's also a lifestyle that's not taking a lot from the world in a sense like you're living simply you know you're getting up in the morning doing doing your thing you have a job to support it it's like i i i just like think about it in terms of all the horrible things you can do that exploit people and that like you know keep people down and the fact is is like if, at least for a little while like it's not the worst thing a kid can be doing um in terms of like denying like the path that they're that somebody's on you know yeah i it's made me rub up against the question of like what is any person supposed to do with a life mm-hmm. and wow there's just so many answers to that and and so many ways to frame it and um i guess ultimately the way i answered it to myself originally was like look if i if i can't if i don't help myself out a little bit Mm -hmm. and 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 sort of like pay into my own happiness and just sort of contentment and peace of mind i'm not i'm never going to be able to help anybody else out sure and if i'm moving through the world without uh, that happiness or positivity or 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 semi decent attitude and outlook i believe that being a climbing bomb and being happy and ha- encountering all the people that i encounter in my co- in the course of my life through that i'd rather be that than be stressed out negative sad and be doing something else that that is more successful or contributive in in the grander society's mm-hmm. eyes or in my parents' eyes or whatever. Right. And, um, yeah, you know, like I just, life is such a super short, fragile thing. And I just think that like people should be doing things that make them fucking feel good. Like if you're not feeling good in your own life, in your own skin and with the people around you, like, isn't that kind of fucking up in a way? I don't know. For me, the answer is yes. Yeah. But I see a lot of people who don't seem comfortable with themselves and don't seem happy. And, and but that's such a that's a choice. Um, well, I have a question. Um, you know, when I when I talked to a couple people about you and about interviewing you, the word creative came up when sort of describing who you are. And you just mentioned that you actually have you know you have an art major as well what does art and creativity how does it fit into your life and then i'll maybe kind of follow that up with asking about how it fits into climbing for you um a thing that humans 
that we have is this ability to make things, to create things, mm-hmm. to build things. And, and I've always loved to work with my hands. Uh, we even just like straight up manual labor. I've always known that my life was going to need to be uh, very much uh, a combination of my m- mind and my my body. And also, yeah, like my emotions. And then if you want to talk about spirituality as well, it's just this like holistic, all-encompassing thing. And, and anything that I w- was going to do in my life, I really wanted it to be like my, my mind integrated with my body working purely intellectual things they never gave me satisfaction you know never in in school did i think that like did i ever find something that was like this could be for me mm-hmm. but always when i was doing sports or always when i was in the drawing or doing art or you know through the four years of my art major i had the deepest ful- fulfillment through through those things so I guess through climbing, I've created my life with climbing and been able to express myself and to be able to pursue the things that are important to me with my mind and my body. You know, in addition to just sort of feeling a creativity about going climbing on any route any given day, you know, I've, I've bolted a pretty decent amount of routes, done first ascents, and... For sure, that's a, a creative, but dramatically f- physical endeavor. Um, in the last few years, you know, I've I've started to paint more and draw, and I write more and journal, and it brings me a lot of satisfaction to make things. Mm-hmm. And I think of a, a red point as as making something, as finding my own way, creating my own way. Um, and and not just like the the route itself, but the whole process, right. the day in, the day out, the the food I eat, the the rest I get, the the things I tell myself, the the way that I um I try to make it a big art form, you know, like the process is is just I want it to be beautiful. I want my climbing to be beautiful. I want to feel the beauty in the pursuit and in the movement. And I really like approaching it that way. At what point did you think to yourself, and I don't know if there was a moment or if there was a a season or if there was a time when you you, committed yourself to, to being down in the red, but when was it that you were like, this really not only could be this thing that I love, but it could be this career for me, or I could pursue it in in that level. Was there, you know, what did that feel like? Because I think it's kind of like, it's a mystery who decides that versus, you know, the recreational guy that, you know, crushes anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then all of us like in our twenties are like, if you're a pretty good climber, you kind of wonder like, well, what would it take for me to like step up to the next level? So I think it's an interesting question that yeah. I kind of ask people. Some people say, yeah, just, I just lucked into it. I got this opportunity, this opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Other people said, no, I decided. And it was, it was time to pursue it. So I think I, I definitely got lucky, but I got lucky in the way in which I had designed my life. I mean, as soon as I knew that I wanted 
to climb as much as possible. Um, I knew I had to support that somehow. Mm -hmm. So that meant working at Miguel's. Um, that meant working at the climbing gym back in Detroit, Planet Rock, when I went home for the winter. Right. That meant getting a job out here in Rifle and or Glenwood Springs when I decided to move out here, working at Summit Canyon Mountaineering. And so I've worked all these different jobs within the outdoor industry all the way up until long after I was even, I was sponsored already. Right. Um, I worked at Rock and Ice Magazine and Trail Runner uh, for a time. And, and then I worked for Black Diamond for uh, four years as a ski rep and assistant sales oh, rep. Oh, that's right. So I, I've had all these perspectives of the industry uh -huh. and all these different jobs. And then through all that, just meeting people. I just was making a lot of yeah. connections with yeah. people. And I was willing to work. I was willing to work any job because I wanted to climb. And so when I was here in Rifle, I think my work schedule at Summit Canyon Mountaineering was cut. It was uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So I got to climb Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Right. And um, I'm, I just made all these connections in the industry. And uh, and also my climbing was really progressing in a, in a beautiful way and really fast. And and then I then I... Uh, living out here I started ice climbing and people knew I could ski really well and so I was like I had this skill set not only of my occupations within formal occupations within the industry but I also had this broad mountain skill set uh, rock climber sport trad bouldering ice climber winter mix climber competing at Ure ski mountaineering and well, I mean, yeah, then I, I was sponsored for a little bit by a French company called Mie. And, um, that's good. Cause that stuff's expensive. <laughs> and, and then, you know, it's I, like, I don't know who buys that stuff. But. <laughs> and I just, uh, I went on a trip in 2009 with my good friend, Andrew Bisharat and for, I was working at rock and ice magazine at the time and Emily Harrington came and I fell in love with her and we we ended up getting together and then she was always on the north face team and and uh then emily and andrew and our other friend boone speed they just encouraged me like hey man like why don't you try to get on the north face like what call, call conrad like and i had met conrad a couple times but i didn't know him at all and i just wrote him a note and he responded and said sam i know who you are and It'd be my pleasure to take care of this. And then I've been on the North Face team. Wow, nice. Ever since then, 2000, right. end of 2009, 2010. And I've since being with the North Face, I've done such amazing trips. I've climbed, I got to climb Mount Everest. I've got to do my dream trip to Lebanon to connect climbing with my family. Mm -hmm. um, I've been to Reunion Island, this super small island out in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Um, yeah, such such goodness has come into my life because of that. But even after I got sponsored by the North Face, I still continued for two or three more years working as a ski rep for Black Diamond. Right. And just because I loved it and I loved to ski and I loved to connect with the retailers out here in the Rocky Mountains. I loved to be connected to Black Diamond like that and connected to the people of Black Diamond. Um, and I just... I have always needed 
balance points to just my pure selfish climbing life. Right. Whether that's uh, my my like little artwork and reading and journaling and stuff that I do now, or whether that's like working uh, a job. Mm-hmm. You know, like two years ago, I went to work at the North Face offices for three months straight on a research design and development internship and it's just always i'm always searching for these ways to balance my climbing in a way that allows me moments of the year to be super selfish and really laser focused on goals that i have and then to allow the, the the scale to tip a little bit to step back have a breath of fresh air realize that like not everybody's living like that I don't want to be that guy who's just living 24-7, 365 like that. Um, I've actually even tried that, and it it gets really old for me really fast, and I get sad because I feel like I'm missing out on, like, other important things in the world. Mm-hmm. So I guess I, I consciously developed the skill set and worked these different jobs in the industry and, and cultivated all these relationships. And my, my climbing just kind of did its own thing. Right. I mean, I climbed 14A in my second year of climbing. And you, you being an athlete, being a trained athlete, coached, focused, trained athlete for most of your, you know, teen and adult life up to that point, couldn't have hurt when you turned yourself to climbing that's actually <laughs> that's a really really astute observation because i 100 percent credit my experience in ski racing mm-hmm. um to this quick transition because ski racing is this total body pursuit toes to fingertips everything integrated with your mind there's mentorship happening coaching happening there's a lot of like parallels to climbing. Yeah, I I definitely feel I've I felt early on in my climbing a lot of similarities to. Well, ski there's racing. so much Skiing. science to it too. I mean, when you guys at the level you were you were at, you, you know, no matter what program you're in, you know, it's a it's a sport that benefits from decades of science of how how do we how do we get the most out of these athletes and so most of the time a 22 year old who's going to go climbing and start climbing that you just throw yourself at the rocks and hope you get stronger and blah 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 so i mean i that that really occurred to me i'm like you know here's this guy with with the skills and the training and the discipline that's been burned into him beat into him however they did it you know what i mean but that lifestyle is so rigorous you know to so even if you backed off half on the rigor you were still like fifty times more rigorous than anybody around you at, in the red. And it would be my so guess. Much, and it was so much more fun and right. relaxed, right? Because you know? yeah. there wasn't a competitive element right. to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was only getting to be competitive with myself, mm-hmm. ruthless with myself, right? So yeah, all that everything you just said is completely right. true, right? So yeah, that's good, you know. And again, like oh, what it's you know it's not fingers and forms, but it's like you said, it's full ball full body what you were up to um and and just yeah I mean, mind you, body connection yeah, body awareness you, spatial you were, awareness i mean comparatively you're a bit of an android down there in the red i'm sure <laughs> at the time so i've been there once and uh yeah you know the discipline among the climbers i saw was not very 
very uh, focused. They used to make fun of me, actually. <laughs> oh, I, I'd imagine. I didn't drink or do... I didn't... Mm-hmm. I was very clean and, and whole and pure then. Um, in a different way than I am now, but I... Yeah, I wasn't... I don't know how long. There was a big period of time where I, I didn't drink, wasn't staying up late. I loved the community there and to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, if it got you know close to bedtime i'd go and read and stretch and right um, yeah that's cool i mean it would it would have gone against the grain to in a lot of ways probably they took um, me in and yeah. that, and that was like that's cool the, that was the one of the most special things yeah that's super cool you know when you started talking about your lead up to uh you know what where you are at this moment i actually started to remember all those things you know because i've lived here you while well, you've lived here you know you're big ski sprinter with the black diamond logo on right. and all that shit. It was like, Oh, that's right. And it, it, it's just, to me, it seems like you are able to, and again, maybe it's from this discipline that you, you, you've had to be all in the things that you're doing. And so I've, I've only really ever seen you as a climber. Our interactions have been around climbing here in the Canyon you know, whatever social events it's been climbing kind of based. So it, it actually, I, I forgot. And I, you know, picturing you in those other roles was tricky for me because I don't know. I just feel like sitting in here, we're in your, we're in your camper, like, you know, climber, like that's all I, you know, and, and not to like insult you that I would say that's all I ever thought of you as, but when you're in this mode, like you're in the mode, you know what I mean? And for sure, this is my, this is my most comfortable self. Okay. And, but I, and I can't imagine you like, you said you interned in at the North Face, like, but I, yeah, like, hey, I, intern, give me some coffee. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I just, um, they didn't make you get coffee, did they? No. Okay. Good. I, I don't. I may. I, I don't think so. No. There was a lot of joking about that, but okay. I don't ever actually think I did. Um, you know what's interesting is, I I'm like a bit of a chameleon, you know, and I just through this necessity of balance for me, um, I I do feel wholehearted when I when the sort of pendulum shifts be it yeah going to work the north face and living in san francisco living in the city and dealing with the traffic and the transportation and just the monday through friday work week and like everything or you know after everest i moved to new york city and lived with my cousin for several months um and i still go back really frequently and when i'm there i'm like so wholeheartedly there and maybe that's connected to the creativity aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I just like, I love to play the role. Like right. I love to participate in different scenes, um, the variety, like and the diversity of of the people on this planet or the places on this planet. I want to just sort of capture as much and absorb as much of that as I can. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a good way to be. It I mean, served I me a, well. Yeah, and I think it for me it's a it's a character flaw of mine in that you It's know, not I'll, for everyone. It's I'll, I'll like, not for everyone. And I, I can totally hang anywhere in the world and have, but I only let myself integrate so far. Mm-hmm. And I think it's far enough to like make sure I'm having connections with people there. 
but you know, I'm still, I have one foot in, in whatever thing I have anchored somewhere else. And, and, and when you started talking about that, like, again, I can see you, you know, in New York city, you know, embracing the style, embracing kind of like everything about that lifestyle. And if I were to be forced, cause it would have to be forced <laughs> to live in New York city, like I would stick out like a sore thumb, you know, I'd get along sure. and I'd probably have a good time and I'd have some good memories, but I'm not like that integrator. Well, that's just it. Yeah. I mean, if you're not having a good time and you know that about mm-hmm. yourself, then mm-hmm. fuck it, man. Like, yeah. go to the place that you need. And for sure, like, for me... The, Carbondale, Colorado. The, the places that I need, it's the mountains and it's right. the crags, without a doubt. But if I, if 100% of my existence was in the mountains and, the, and, the, and in the crags, it's, it's very... I think it's very connected to, like, my life up until 16 was in suburban southeastern michigan mm-hmm. around detroit and then radically changed to salt lake city utah like one of the recreation capitals of the united states or of the world you know where there's all these things to do and all these people doing all these different things and so i had i have that i had that contrast and that contrast was just the balance and for me you know if i go to michigan for too long i i forget depressed i miss the mountains and if i spend all of my time out in the mountains for sure i think about all the other things that i want to do i want to see it's it's about for me it's about trying to not take for granted and it's always a super delicate thing because it's it's easy to get to trick yourself into this grass is always greener Mm -hmm. thing but for me it's like i i'm just i want to enjoy my situation um and not take it for granted. And then when I sort of start to feel like I'm taking it for granted, that's generally when I make a change right. or, or do a different trip or go a different place or something. And I just don't, I guess I just don't want to feel like stagnant. Right. And I just want to feel balanced. Let me ask you a little bit then about, I mean, I was just talking about it in, in terms of my personality like sort of i've seen it as a little bit of a character flaw though i think it's pretty normal but there is a i think there is a negative what you just said the grass is always greener thing is what made me start to think of this is that the lifestyle of switching you know of doing that of of tossing the coin and switching to something else even for a short time you know that also can start to kind of get a little wobbly you know it there's a lot of sacrifice to to relationships, to family, roots. Career can be difficult when when you're when you're jumping around. Uh, although it sounds like, you know, what you've set yourself up as a as a you know, what'd you say you're thirty? I'll be thirty six in yeah. August. You know, with all these different skills and these connections, you know, that that's probably really positive for your future in terms of versus like some dude that just has been climbing for the last 15 years. I, I hope there's like options. Yeah. Because there's of options it. there, but can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, we had a conversation earlier a, a day ago, sort of just chatting over coffee about thinking about, well, how do I, I mean, do I need some roots? Am, am, is my wanderlust like, leading me down the wrong path. I mean, do you have those thoughts at all? Because we've talked about it on this podcast a bunch about how this lifestyle, that seems so perfect. One day just suddenly can seem like, well, what have I been doing with my life? You know, where, 
I live in a camper or in a truck or whatever, you know yeah. what I mean? And what does that mean? And, and where does it, where has it led me? Well, I, I know of myself that like, I'm a, I search, I've been searching, you know, I'm real, I'm restless. I'm far less restless now than I was when I was like, whatever, 22, 23. And it's just a wicked double-edged sword. Um, I don't know what what the right answer is. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, for sure there there've come a, lo- a lot of sacrifices needing to be made, but at the same time there's all this gain and benefit and value and beauty from it. It's a it's a real challenge because the the life plays into that restlessness mm-hmm. and you know, I have a really active mind and I'm always thinking about the what ifs and the where uh, next. And the... But what's been cool is that as I've been getting older, I, I feel that slowing and I feel a certain like wisdom associated with it where I can I can sift through it a bit better. But by no means do I like have it figured out or have mm-hmm. it have it perfect. I will say, like you've said, is like, I think I have options, you know, and I have plan B's and plan C's and, and my, and to, to my dad's credit, like he's really forced me to like have a, a two year plan, a three year plan, a five year plan, a 10 year plan. And even though I don't really have the details of those plans, right. like I, I at least have bullet points associated with uh-huh. those plans. And when I look at my skill set and I look at my experience in my history, like I feel fairly confident that I'll I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. I always have. It it always seems like I've figured it out for myself Mm -hmm. and trusted myself. But yeah, you can't have everything. You can't go everywhere. You can't be with all the people, be it friends or family that you want to be with all the time. And I just, I've just had to sort of cultivate like allowing with myself to just, that's the way it is. And I'm just doing my best. And, um, I hope the people around me are also allowing with me. And, um, you know, Justin Chong, it's such a almost inconsequential, like little piece of information that he gave me in the climbing gym one day in Boulder when I was living there. My brain works, it like, and it analyzes and, and he just said, in your life, you're never going to do every climb that you want to do. And it seems like such a, it, it seems like such a super simple, very obvious piece of information, <laughs> but it punched me in the gut really hard because I looked at it in the biggest picture possible of like, not just climbs, but like, places I wanted to go or people I wanted to meet or, or conversations I wanted to have. And, and I just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, you know, he's right. I'm never going to get to do all the things I want to do in this life. Uh, nobody is right. So I guess the only real thing that we should be doing is enjoying exactly what we're doing right now. And right now is something that we've sort of created from the past by sort of steering our own life and, and, and having these intentions and, and loose guidelines for like where we want to go, what we want to do. And, uh, and then just sort of enjoying in the moment, the intentions and the the work and the practices that we've done in the past to get there. 
Justin Chong is a Buddhist. He doesn't even know it. Oh uh, yeah, I mean he's <laughs> he the lack of desires. He just I don't know, I probably was in my real angstiest part of my pro climber life. Mm-hmm. Uh and what what I like to explain is like maybe four lifetimes ago, four four different lives ago of mine. And I was probably complaining about something, some project or something right. I wasn't doing. That's all he offered to me. And <laughs> and it was the perfect thing at the perfect time, you know? I mean, any other time or any other person, I could have just been, I would have just been like, like duh. Or just like, uh, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Like, I'm definitely going to do this route or whatever right. it was. But it, it just, it really, I remember that moment. And I don't know, maybe... Maybe at that moment there was like this weird little shift of like, okay, I hear what you're saying and you're right. I believe you. So how, how am I going to integrate that into my worldview and live, try to live with that a little bit more? Well, let's talk a little bit about your climbing. Uh, Cause this is a climbing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we say that all the time though. I know you as a sport climber uh, because again, rifle mostly is, we've hung out here the, the more than anything else. Um, rock climber, I know you climbed Everest was sort of this, you know, strange diversion <laughs> from that, that, that happened to a few of you guys on the North Face team yeah. that year. You, you got into, also you got into this mixed climbing thing. So I, I kind of want to look at some of those things, but within that rock climbing thing, the, the trip to Lebanon was, seemed like an important, uh, trip, trip for you. Uh, I saw you do a presentation on it. Um, I also know, like you, you said earlier that. Your family's Syrian, or at least your father was, mm-hmm. is. So tell me a little bit about that trip. Um, and then I want to ask you a few more other things about your about your climbing. Well, uh, that trip... I met this gal in Indian Creek, by the way, who's who's from that. So what's it called? Tannerine? Yeah, Tannerine. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. God, I wish I remembered her name, but... Um... It's a really special place. Yeah. Well, the Lebanon trip was... Basically, maybe the most important thing I've ever done or will ever do. I mean, well, you know, the thing is, is it connected my climbing with my family. Mm -hmm. And I never, I've struggled for so long to do that. And it just, it it allowed me to go. It allowed me to bolt roots and put up first ascents. It allowed me to hear stories about my dad growing up, my dad as a child, um, how my dad immigrated from Syria to, through Lebanon to the United States, learning just all all the stuff about my dad's family that I never knew, you know. And it was just because of my early difficulties with my, my family based on the choice to to be a climber and to go climbing. It was really such a special thing to go to the Middle East and to climb there. And actually we skied there too. Be with my sister there to take her climbing and have her climb. It was really a fulfilling experience. And I've been back a couple of times and I made really dear friends there and I never got to do that before. I'm not sure I'll ever get to do that again. So another kind of strange aspect, I think, of your climbing are not necessarily strange is the mixed climbing. Um, you were, you were sort of part of a, a bunch of, I think sport climbers who realized that, well, maybe I could do this, you know, maybe my sport climbing training would actually like make me good at this, at least on a, on a competition level. 
So tell me about that little switch and and you've been really successful at it yeah yeah i well i i love it uh because i love winter you know from skiing skiing my whole life skiing since two and a half years old i love winter and i also from skiing i don't a whole lot of gear doesn't bother me Mm -hmm. typically climbers don't don't like a whole lot of gear they like trying to be as simple as possible you know Mm -hmm. like so being outside in the winter with a lot of gear is kind of anti-sport climbing. Um, but I was living here in the Western Slope, and it's full-on real-deal winter, you know, snow and everything. And so I couldn't rock climb. I was skiing a little bit. And, yeah, people were starting to invite me to go to Vale to go ice climbing. Oh, the rifle has amazing ice climbing. Um, Redstone, Glenwood Canyon. And I think I went one winter or maybe two full winters being like, fucking no way, dude. Not That's not my thing. And then I went and I, it was fun. You know, I went ice climbing and it was cool. And it, But it got pretty monotonous pretty quick to me. But I, going to Vail, learning about all the history of, about mixed climbing, winter mixed climbing and dry tooling. And just sort of understanding the caves and the overhangs and... I I just took to it immediately. Mm-hmm. I loved it, and I was really good at it because I mean it's just a goddamn jug, you know. I mean you're just holding on to the biggest handhold that you ever experience when you're out sport climbing. And I love being cold and being out in winter and being in snowstorms, and I love the ice and the fact that it's alive and it's scary. I'm I'm I don't like being extremely scared, but I do like being a little bit scared. Mm-hmm. So I just. I just fell right in love with it. Mm-hmm. And then living so close to Ure and the ice climbing festival. And I mean, it was just like, yeah, well, I guess I'll go try to do the comp and um, just started doing really good. Doing What was your history with the comp? The first year I did it, um, the first year I applied, I didn't get in. Second year I did it. They were still doing a qualifier day mm-hmm. and a finals day. I didn't make it to the finals day. And then, then the th- third time I did it, I took second. I sent the comp route in a like amazing buzzer beater, like two seconds left on the clock, diving for the red flag. Very memorable finish. And um, yeah, now I've had, I've done, I've done really well. I've never won. I've taken twice, second. T- I've taken second twice, third twice. I've taken second in the speed climbing. I've taken third mm-hmm. in the speed climbing. I mean, I just, I love it. I've been to Russia to compete in the Ice World Cup. I've been to Montana to do the comp there. And it's just fun. It's a part of that balance that right, I've been right. talking about. And climbing is such a cool thing. There's just all these mm. different styles. I guess I just got psyched to kind of try them all. I love the deep water solo. I've free climbed Alcap. I love to trad climb. I just don't do it very much. But I, I went, I love the boulder you know, I I love to climb in the gym. I mean, yeah, it's it's so cool that we have all these options. Mm-hmm. So you you're you're a mixed climber and can ice climb. You've climbed Mount Everest. What about in between? You ever thought about alpinism in, yeah, in a serious way? I feel like that's probably the. I and mean, you've got skiing. Like it's really uh, looking at your resume. It's the only, that's, only hole. That is the hole. Is you found it actually? And I've Chris, been. If you don't want to be scared, I've been very <laughs> aware of that um, for some time. 
Everest shook my world up in a pretty big way. And I don't think I want to die in the mountains, you know. In addition to that, I feel like I have more time. Maybe I... Maybe I'm taking my life for granted a little bit, but I feel like I have more time to explore that pursuit and that style to climb in the mountains than I do to hard sport climb and and hard boulder. And so for the time being, the reason that that hole exists is because Everest scared me and, and, and shook me up a little bit just being in the big mountains for that period of time. You know, I've had a lot of friends who have died. And I just, uh, for the, for the time being, I just, I want to, I just want to rock climb and see how far I can take that. How's your tent sitting skills? (laughs) That, that was a hard part too, for sure, of of Everest, you know, like. Cause that's really what it comes down to. Can you be happy sitting in a tent for a really long time with another dude? I, I think I did decently. All right, good. I can do decently. I love to read, so maybe that would help. Yeah. You know, drawing and painting. You've but, got an internal world you can retreat yeah, into. Yeah. While mummified in your sleeping bag. So, um, yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks a lot for sitting down. Yeah. I appreciate it. That was it. my pleasure, man. We've been trying to do it for a while, actually. Yeah. Um, that was easy. That was great. Class, so. All right, folks, thanks for listening, and thanks to Sam for having me out to his camper and rifle. Kind of a throwback episode. I used to do more of them out there. I think Sam would be a really great alpinist, actually, if he ever turned his considerable talents to that. You know, he's got sort of a internal, little bit of a brooding mentality. I think that's pretty useful up there on those big mountains. I wouldn't know, being neither an alpinist or brooding. It was fun to be out in Rifle, hanging out with Sam. Uh, I haven't been out there too much this summer. Kind of took the summer off from trying really hard, and that's what Rifle's good for. Plus, it's been really hot, so I'm stoked that we're into September. I think, unfortunately, September, that classic pun, at least around here, is a bit of a thing of the past. It's still pretty hot, thanks to climate change during September. And uh, though the nights are getting cooler, and it is cooler up in the high country, but Either way, we're looking at a great fall here in Colorado. Hope it's nice where you are. Hope you guys are getting out. Hope you're being safe. And I hope you're checking your knot. Feel pretty good. Not, uh, not scared at all. I just feel kind of, feel kind of invincible. <laughs> me too. I got a very positive attitude about this. Good. Me too. Yeah. It's getting hot in here. Is it just me? <laughs>